You are listening to the Willpower Podcast. Welcome to the show. I am Will Holdren, and I talk with some of the most influential CEOs, entrepreneurial leaders, and thought leaders to try and reveal the secrets that has led to their success. I believe that with the right knowledge and mindset, you can do anything you set your mind to. So if you want to learn how to change your life for the better, if you want to learn how millionaires actually became wealthy, or if you want to develop and start your own business from the ground up with the right knowledge to help you, then you are in the right place because this is the Willpower Podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, if you have enjoyed an episode, then please, please open up Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And if you think we deserve it, scroll to the bottom, select write a review, and leave us a five-star rating with a review that states where you are from and one aspect of the show that you love. Once you do that, send me a screenshot and I will feature you on a future show and shout you out on my Instagram that has over 10,000 followers. Now let's get to the show with our newest guest. How's it going, everyone? My name is Will Holdren, and I am the host of the Willpower Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, and her name is Susan Glenn's. And Susan actually runs the Susan Glenn's team, and she is out of Rochester, New York, and she is also part of Keller Williams. So it's an absolute honor to have her on here today. So Susan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Will. I appreciate you inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Of course, my pleasure. I'm really excited for this interview. I've heard a lot about what you've done in the past and your team, and so... It's super cool to have someone like you on this podcast. And um, to start off, I kind of go into your childhood a little bit. So you can talk about what your childhood was like and how it kind of turned it in, turned you into who you are today. My childhood? Is that what you said? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so let's see. My childhood and how it turned me into who I am today. Well, if I were to sum it up, I would say a couple of things. One, I was um, – everybody knew me as uh, kind of the nerd in school. I was um, – I wanted to be top of the class. I was valedictorian in high school. I was that girl, right? Um, but it's funny because I never really connected with what drove me. I think I had an in, in, inner desire to excel and be the best I could be. Um, but really, I think what drove me was pleasing my father, right? Like I just wanted to make him happy. Um, so that became an inner drive that now I don't need to please my father, right? I'm a grown adult woman with my own business, but I still want to um, do well for myself. Um, and I also growing up really enjoyed things like math and science, but I also had an artistic side, right? So I was in the art room painting and, um, had a lot of experience with art. So I had a little bit of that right brain, left brain happening where I wanted that creative outlet, but I also really understood, um, problem solving and business and numbers. So I think real estate's a great blend for me because it's a creative outlet with building a business and also um, working in the numbers. Yeah, 100%. Very cool. And so when you were growing up, did you always want to go into real estate or did you have other plans growing up? It's funny because growing up, I always thought I wanted to be an attorney. I just, something about being a lawyer just seemed, um, you know, prestigious. I always liked making an argument and negotiating and um, defending people. And then I think I learned what it really took to be an attorney. And um, I just don't, I don't think my personality would have maybe been the best fit. So I never really pursued it. I actually went to college for an accounting degree. So I have an accounting degree from SUNY Geneseo. That's, wow. that, I don't know what side of the brain that is, but that's the number side, right? And I was in a private accounting for 
four years out of college and then moved into a marketing position. And that's where I understood what it was like not to just count the beans behind the scenes, but to drive and move the business forward. So it was a great experience eight years before getting my real estate license where I was able to work on both sides of a business and realize where my passion lied. Gotcha. So accounting is definitely different from real estate. So I'm kind of curious, like, how did you end up switching careers totally going from accounting into starting your own real estate company? <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Like, I, I, I definitely didn't fit the profile of most accountants. Um, I got antsy really easy, but I enjoyed the work. I, I, I enjoyed spreadsheets. I would live in spreadsheets all day long. I enjoyed running a P&L and forecasting and budgeting. Um, and making sure everything um, worked out, bottom line. Um, but then I had an opportunity. I was in a small company, and in a small company, you wear a lot of hats, right? And there's a lot of opportunity to just pivot and move into different um, parts of the business. So I had an opportunity to pivot into the marketing side of the business and drive uh, a product line um, for the company. And I had to use my accounting skills, though. I had to use my maybe not accounting skills, but I had to use my knowledge of running a profitable business and apply it to actually launching new product. And it really, really helped me. And I will say that when I look back on my, my career and my life, everything that I learned up to the point of launching my real estate business contributed to my success in real estate, right? So that financial background was huge because I think, I know you have your license. A lot of people um, don't train agents to own a business, to treat their business like a business. They treat it maybe more like a job or um, collecting a paycheck. And having that financial background from the very beginning, I tracked my expenses. I knew what was coming in. I knew what was going out. I measured my ROI on all of my investments for lead gen. Um, so I just approached it very differently, not even knowing that most people didn't. I just thought that's how you do it right? Because that was my background. So that set me up for success right. pretty quickly. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. And just like you're talking about, being able to track all that stuff is a huge contributing factor to your overall success as a realtor. Like just knowing like what to do, who to contact, that kind of thing, keeping track of like all your sales and all those numbers. So like, how are you able to kind of stay on top of all that stuff? Because obviously a lot of realtors do struggle with that, especially new realtors in the industry. And so would you say that your background contributed the most to that? Or like, how would you uh, help other people to kind of get there as well? Okay. Yeah. So I think because, um, because I've always been, if one of my favorite questions is, do you lead with an operations heart or a sales heart? If you were to pick one, do you lead it with an operations heart or a sales heart? And when someone asked me that question, I really had to step back because I was so torn. Um, I wanted to say sales because I'm a, I'm an agent, right? That's what right. we do. We, we're in sales. But from the day I started my business, I always said, I'm not a salesperson. I don't have a sales bone in my body. I'm a marketer. I will market a property. You will fall in love with it. I will market myself and you will see value or you won't. Um, but I've always leaned more towards the operations side. That's where my heartbeat is. And so I, because I'm more systems inclined, I'm the kind of person that if I do it once, and I make a mistake once, I don't want to do it again. So let me build a system so I never have to do that again. So I was constantly building systems and tracking um, devices or whatever in processes into my business from day one, because I, I was, I'm, I'm kind of lazy. So I wanted to not ever have to do that again. So let me, how do I make this easier? I would say a lot of agents aren't wired that way. Um, 
so that's why it's really important to bring along when you get to a certain point, like bring someone in your world that's administratively proficient because they can handle all of that for you. Right. No, yeah, it definitely makes sense. And so when you got your license, did you join Keller Williams right away or did you start a different brokerage? No, I did. I interviewed a bunch of different brokerages and I was, I didn't know what I was doing. Honestly, I just reached out to a bunch of people locally. I reached out to a friend that had worked with the KW agent. So they put me in touch and, um, I started with them from the beginning and now I'm eight years, nine years in. Um, and I had the opportunity to open a Keller Williams franchise in the Finger Lakes four years ago. So I have my team that's operating and then I have a Keller Williams franchise um, with about 115 agents in that market center. Currently we're the number one office in the Finger Lakes. Wow. That is awesome. Congratulations. I have, uh, I have a girlfriend up in the Finger Lakes, so if he's ever willing to buy or sell, I know who to go to now. So, there you go. <laughs> um, so talk to me about your first year as a realtor. What were your skills kind of like in that first year? But then what you were expecting? Is it harder than you thought it was going to be? Yeah. Um, gosh, it's so blurry. I think that's a great question. Was it harder than I thought it was going to be? I think it's what I expected. Um, I think I was. it was pretty – it was hard work, but I wasn't um, – I went into it knowing it was going to be hard work. Um, I think my first year in real estate, I sold 25 houses. Um, I had wow. no idea if that was good or bad compared That's to, the I just put my head down and worked. Um, and it paid off because the second year I sold 65 houses. Um, so the trajectory was insane. Um, but I think it's because I didn't compare myself to anyone else. I just put my head down and said, give me your best, just do your best. And everything kind of fell into place from there. Yeah, that's super impressive. 25 sales in your first year as a real estate agent is pretty crazy. Um, so congratulations for that. And so I'm kind of, like, how are you able to generate all those leads in just your first year? Like, did you just go to kind of your market? Do you operate more on the cold market side of things or social media? What did you contribute most to? Yeah, um, great question. So my first year, looking back, and of course, I have my lead sources broken down for every year, so I know exactly where it was. I, if I remember correctly, my first year was about 65% from my own database. And a lot of that was um, me reaching out, chatting, not even asking for business, but just being more purposeful and intentional about creating relationships and letting people know that I was here to help. Um, and then social media, just putting myself out there on social media. I never had a Facebook account. I had a Facebook account, but I was not intentional, intentional about using it to promote myself, promote real estate at all until I got into the real estate business. I was much more of a hermit. Like I didn't want people to know what I was doing in my life. And then when I started my own business, I said, well, I got to, people have to know what I'm doing. I got to put myself out there. So social media was a big um, part of that. And then uh, open houses as well. And a, a few internet leads. I got really good at converting inbound internet leads, which we know the internet lead game has completely changed since 2012. It's a very different, um, financial model but back then leads were cheap and i could convert like a machine wow yeah that's pretty impressive and i know a lot of people just like you're talking about also feel scared to like kind of tell people like, like what they're doing i feel like as a real like that's like the number one thing you gotta go out there and tell other people like what you're doing who you are and that kind of thing you started your real estate business and you know i think a lot of people really do struggle with that so how would you recommend people to kind of get out of that mindset of like, okay, I don't really want to feel embarrassed by telling people like what I'm doing kind of thing. How, how are you able to get out of that mindset? Yeah, I think Nike, just do it. Like they have yeah. the best tagline, right? Just do it. Um, I know that's not great advice, but you sometimes just got to rip the bandaid off. And the more you 
practice, the better you get at it. So um, just do it. I don't, I don't know if I have any better advice than that. No, I mean, that's, that's pretty good advice. And it really comes down to the fact that like people are going to judge you no matter what you do. So you'd rather be judged by doing something you love. And so if you're a realtor, you got your license, like you should be proud of that and not really care what other people think about you being, being a realtor. Yeah. And um, kind of going off of that point, you also said that you got most of your leads from more market, like 60% in that first year. And I know a lot of people struggle reaching out to the market. So like, how, do, how should people be approaching the world market and playing on that without being too pushy or too salesy kind of thing, just like you were doing? So when, when that, can you repeat the question? I don't know if I understand. Yeah, so like when realtors are reaching out to the world market and trying to get business and sales and stuff like that, how should they be reaching out to them and talking to them without being too salesy or too pushy? Okay, yeah, thank you um, for clarifying. So when I reach out, I'm all, I always want to come from contribution. I, it's, a, it's a care call, really. It's checking in. How are they? How are their family? We made a lot of care calls, especially during the COVID pandemic in the last couple of years, um, because everybody is kind of, it was the first time in history that everybody in the country, um, in the world was going through the same thing. So there's this common bond, right? So just to reach out and check in, like, how are you doing? How are you doing with this? How's your family? Um, how are you navigating homeschooling? Uh, just asking about them naturally they ask about you it just it just transitions and then you can share a little bit about what's going on in your world real estate will pop up and then it's let me know if you ever need anything we're here for you it's not who do you know that's looking to buy or sell right now it's just we're here for you that has always been my approach it's a little bit more um, planting seeds and then the referrals come later um, the other thing we do too is we'll come with items of value so we work Right now, I wanted to scale that. I wanted to figure out how can I scale, you know, what Susan Glenn's does, what Will Holdren does. It's what it's who you are. It's what makes you special. But how can you scale that and teach other agents to do it if they if they're not you, right? Um, so we create every quarter. We have a giveaway or a, an incentive that we have. So like right now, we have an HVAC company that is giving a really great discount on um, getting your furnace serviced, right? So we'll call people and just let them know, hey, if you haven't gotten your furnace service yet this winter season, we've got someone that is going to hook you up. Exactly. So coming from value, giving them something, and they ultimately remind, remember you when the time comes. No, yeah, that is definitely great advice. I never really heard it explained like that. It definitely makes more sense when you're just reaching out to them, offering them help first, and then, like you said, and naturally they're going to ask, like, what are you up to kind of thing. So that is a super cool strategy. I know a lot of you do struggle with that, so hopefully that can help out most of them when they listen to this. Uh, so that's super cool. And um, so I'm kind of curious, like in your real quick career, when did you decide to start building a team instead of just being like an individual agent? Yeah, so I knew from the beginning that I wanted to build a really big business and that I couldn't do it alone. I'm definitely more of a team player. I want to surround myself with amazing people. So from the very beginning, I knew that's what I wanted. I didn't build a team until I had enough leads and enough business to support one. Um, so... The, the question for me has always been at each gate of growth has been, am I doing everything I can do? Have I done all that I can do? Am I ready for more leverage? Right? So going from 25 units to 65 units, I was waving the white flag at the end of the year, like, okay, I'm ready. I've done all I can do. I literally can't do anything more. Now I need leverage. Um, I think that's really important. Part of my journey is being really strategic about adding leverage versus um, just adding a bunch of leverage and then hoping it all works out. I've grown slowly, um, but yet quickly um, over yeah. the last eight years because I've been very strategic about when to add that leverage. 
No, for sure. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And so when you're trying to bring on new agents, like what's your process to find these agents and what are you looking for characteristic-wise in new agents to bring on to your team? I love that question. I could talk about people all day because that's really – I've transitioned more to – the talent acquisition than the client acquisition on the team, right? Right. So everyone I meet, I look at and say, are we are either going to be in business together? We're going to, I'm going to serve you in some way. So I'm always looking for talent. Um, we have a great process at Keller Williams. We use it's the career visioning process. Um, it's a very robust hiring process where you get to know the person at a deeper level so that if you do choose to get into business with them, you know so much more about them than if it was just kind of a standard going off your gut interview, one-time interview, right? We've got uh, personality assessments that we learn how they tick, um, a certain um, process for gathering references. I mean, it's real intense. Um, so I, I, I follow that process. Like I told you earlier, I'm a process person, right? So I follow the process, I trust it, and it has never failed me. Um, I find that most of my people on my team have come from referrals from people I know, right? People know who I am, how I work, what do I, what I expect. So they're either past clients that have worked with me or um, people that have referred people to me. That's awesome. And obviously it's working because I know we were talking earlier, you got a lot of like mega agents on your team. And so obviously that's not an easy thing to do. And so but like, what are you, what are you teaching these people, these realtors once they join your team? Because obviously Whatever you're doing, it's working because they're doing multiple million dollars every year in sales. So what are you kind of telling them when they join your team or teaching them? Yeah. Um, so just to kind of add some um, uh, numbers to that to give the audience like a sense of what the team is doing. So I've got five agents, including myself, but the, um, the three main agents on my team, I have a buyer specialist who has a showing partner, and then I have two other agents on the team. Um, they each one of them services between 55 to 65 clients a year. And each one of them has been with me between three to six years. So we have low turnover on our team as well, which is something I'm most proud of. Um, I think that shows we add a lot of value to their world. And for me, the biggest thing has been, listen, we'll, we'll teach you how to lead generate. We'll teach you how to sell a house, but more importantly, we're going to stretch you and grow you in the way you think we're going to teach you about wealth building. We're going to mastermind around, um, leadership. I'm going to create opportunity for you. So I have been fortunate enough to have opportunity in my world that allows me to move out and create space for my team to step into opportunity. So um, as long as I can keep creating a world big enough for them to stay in my world, I, I should be good. Right, right. That kind of leads me into my next question, because I know when people are doing a team, they're always afraid of bringing realtors teaching them everything that they know and then over like a course of two years or something they end up leaving after that some time they go and start their own team kind of thing. So does that fear ever cross your mind when you're growing your team and having leaders grow and develop? Yeah, you know, I hear that a lot. And as an operating partner of our brokerage, you know, agents come to me all the time looking for help building a team. And I think that's a common fear. Um, so much so that they say like, well, I don't, I don't want to teach them all the secrets. I don't want them to be better than me because then they'll leave right? Why wouldn't they leave? Right. And my philosophy from the beginning, I, I fought that. I think that's like natural um, tendency to, to think. So I, I fought that because at the end of the day, if they leave and build a successful business, then I did my job well, right? At the end of the day, truly, I, if I can really take a step back from my ego and look at it that way, right. 
right. part of that success. Um, and I think it's about having trust, knowing that if I'm continuing to provide amazing value, if I just focus on value and they're getting everything they need, they're meeting their goals and they're growing, then they shouldn't have any reason to leave and we should be good. I should see it coming if they, if they're unhappy and, um, figure out how to address that. So does that answer your question or is that kind of roundabout? No, I think that's pretty good. Like you're saying, you got to build that trust factor up. And then, you know, obviously like you're saying if they want to leave, you should see some things that are happening that are making them unhappy for the broken or something like that. So I think that definitely is a question. You got to take care of your agents first and, uh, give yeah. them the opportunity and with that I think they'll, they'll stay there just like we're talking about so. I, I've transitioned from you know our client is our number one customer on our team and when I have the business hat on and I'm talking to our operations team right our marketing team our number one customer is our agent gotcha. and then our client right so our conversation has pivoted to how do we keep our agents happy? How can we add value to our agents? How can we make their job easier? Because in doing that, if we are their hero, then the client naturally will benefit from that, right? Right, exactly. And so are you bringing in most of the leads for your own agents or are they out there getting their own lead for most of the time? Yeah, great question. It's a great mix. Um, my all, all four of my agents are doing amazing at bringing in their own business from their sphere and from converting inbound leads that the team provides, whether it's open house leads, internet leads, right? They, they are great converters. Um, and I still have a really strong database that I'm feeding. So I don't have exact numbers and it probably varies by agent, but I would say it's probably 30 to 40% my business and sphere that I'm referring to the team. Um, maybe 40% if you include like agent referrals that I'm partnering people with. Um, 20 to 30% their own sphere. And then the balance 20 to 30% is business that they're converting that the team provided like leads. No, yeah, it's definitely a good mix. I like how you know, it's kind of even more so the agents can always fall back on the leads they have to, which is pretty cool to see. Um, and so another recurring theme is that you guys keep talking about these internet leads. So what are you guys doing to kind of develop these internet leads and how are you getting them and doing so well with them? Yeah. So it, you know, that has been something that has definitely changed our business back when, um, uh, I first started, man, I had, I think I was investing $300 a month, no lie on Zillow, just so I could be a Zillow preferred partner. And I would get a hundred percent of the leads on my own listings. That's what I was paying for. I just wanted the leads back on my own listings. Right. So then I just went and got listings and I got all the leads and I converted them to buyers for $3,600 a year. I was selling six to $8 million a year from internet leads. Like that doesn't happen anymore. Right. And it's, it's sad because it was so great, um, but it doesn't yeah. happen anymore because what we're seeing in the industry is that all of these companies want a piece of our commission, right? So Zillow is now a brokerage, um, Realtor.com has OpCity, and they're charging 25 to 35% on the back end for the leads, which is a lot more expensive than $300 a month, right? Yeah. Um, so we're finding there's less and less opportunity as a team to invest in leads for the agents. There's, it's mostly converted to back end um, referral fees, almost like an agent referral fee, right? Um, so it's just, it's changed, and we are leaning into those opportunities, but it's not a big piece of our business. We will close 200, I think 202 transactions this year. We will help 202 families. And 160 or 155 of them were all from our database. 
Wow. We're heavy, heavy database. And I like it that way. I want to teach my agents to get a hundred percent of their business from their database because it's the only thing we can rely on. I can't tell you in five years if the referral fee for internet leads is now going to be 60%, right? We have no control over that, but we do yeah, have yeah. control over the relationships with our clients. No, yeah, I love that. And the fact that you guys are doing like friends and families, like the close market kind of thing, like it builds a really great uh, repertoire as well, like for people that are around you. And so that's awesome. And just so you're talking about like, the internet leads, like it's so inconsistent, like one month it could be this, another month it could be this, and there's no really like basic line of like what you're expecting to get from that. So that's uh, super cool you said that. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like in your opinion, where do you kind of see like the market going in the next couple of years? And what are you guys planning for? Oh gosh, I wish I had a crystal ball. Isn't that the million dollar question? We talk about that on our regional meetings. We talk about that at the national level. Um, I talk about that with my team. You know, market cycle every seven years, right? As you, I'm sure, are well aware. And we are on borrowed time with the strong market. I, When I got my license at the end of 2012, it's when the market was just starting to recover and, and head into more of a seller's market. So I literally look back at my career and I say, you know what? Since I started selling in 2013, it's pretty much been a seller's market the last seven, eight years, right? So nine years, 2012. So we're on, we're two years borrowed time. We should see a shift go back to more of a buyer's market. That's just what happens. I think the COVID pandemic helped to um, delay that. We thought it was going to push us into a, a downturn, but it didn't for a lot of reasons. Um, so what do I think is going to happen next? Well, I think it's a lot of uncertainty because what's going on with the inflation and the economy right now. Um, I think you probably saw the stock market took a hit last Friday. Um, yeah. yeah, Um, there's, you know, talks of potential, um, invasions from China overseas. Um, so how that will play out in the real estate market remains to be seen. I do think next year will still be strong just because inventory is so low and the demand is still there. I do think it'll be strong, but, I think in the next 18 to 24 months, we will see something start to turn. The, the interest rates are going to have to go up. Um, so it's only a matter of time. So I think planning for that now and figuring out how as a business you're going to pivot uh, is really important. Gotcha. And so, yeah, so like for new agents that are coming into the market, like what should they be planning for? How should they plan for like the future, especially when you're saying like interest rates are going to go up and things of that nature. And so how should they be planning on pivoting? How are you guys planning on pivoting if that does happen? Yeah. Um, well, a couple things. One, I think making sure to practice the language of sales and the scripts and dialogue around motivations when it comes to higher interest rates and how to help get buyers off the bench. Because even even if the interest rates go to 5%, which I'm not saying they will, but even if they did, historically, that's super low, right? But yeah. it's about navigating those conversations so and teaching our team how to navigate that because we can help get buyers off the fence. It's still a great time to buy. It's still a great deal when you think about historically low rates. Um, but that's a that's a skill we haven't had to exercise in a long time, right? It's a muscle we haven't had to build. So doubling down on training around that kind of stuff so we can make sure we advise our clients at the highest level um, is going to be really, really important. So dusting off those skills. Yeah. And it really all boils down to sales and like how good of a salesperson you really are can be in getting people over the over the bench, just like you're saying, into that buying mode. Because um, people are always going to need hope. Like, that's what I love about the real estate market. Like that demand is always going to be there at some point. Um, so that's awesome and promising to see. And so, 
Um, as we're running out of time, I just have a couple more questions for you. So, one, like, what are your goals for your team, like, in the long run? Like, what are you planning to get them to numbers-wise or agents-wise? Yeah. So I don't have an agent count goal. Um, one of my big goals has always been $100 million. We are a $50 million team right now. And $100 million has always been a goal because it's just kind of – you know, that big goal to shoot for. No one in our market has ever done it. So we want to be the first. I don't think I would stop from there though, because it's, you know, you're you're never really, you hit a goal and you're never really satisfied with it. It's about the journey, right? But that's our immediate goal. Um, We also have um, some big plans with uh, kind of restructuring the team, rebranding. So I can't talk too much about that, but we're excited to make some cool changes. Yeah, some secrets. <laughs> yeah, that'll be cool. That'll be cool, though. And um, and so if you just do real estate career all over again, would you do anything different? Hmm. Mostly not, because I always say the mistakes we make make us who we are, right? So I wouldn't do too much different. Um, but I have said this. I would. I worked. Clearly, I got a great return from my database. I built great relationships from the beginning. But what I didn't do from the beginning is have, uh, I think the first two years, I didn't have a robust database CRM. I worked out of my spreadsheet. Again, I was an accountant, right? Spreadsheet for my best friend. And it was fine, but it wasn't as powerful as having a really great CRM that could come alongside me and help me communicate with my clients automatically. So I think any advice to new, a new agent would be prioritize getting your CRM set up and your database set up from day one. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely great advice. I know with like different brokers too, they have like CRMs that kind of step people up with. So I know like ESP, we have a KB Core, which is super helpful. It's hard to understand, but once you get it down, like it's super good, super helpful. Um, so that's cool. And so my final question for you is obviously real estate industry is very competitive. A lot of agents fail. And I'm kind of curious, like in your opinion, why do you think most agents fail and never make it and become successful in the real estate industry? Hmm, Why do I think most agents fail? I think most agents fail because they fail to recognize that this is a lead generation business, right? They think that they can walk in and be handed clients and go show houses and write offers. And first and foremost, this is a lead generation business like any other business, right? Without leads, without clients, there's no one to service and therefore there is no profit to be made. So once if you go into it knowing that there's going to be some hard work generating leads you'll be fine yeah love it that's great advice all right and before we hop off is there anything else you'd like to say and if people reach out to you how can they find you oh sure yeah um i i guess my final word would be as you're going on your journey um the most powerful question you can ask yourself is who do i need to be in relationship with right whether that's a client whether that's an affiliate partner whether that's adding someone on your team, whether that's a coach, I think the most powerful question you can ask is who. Um, And if you want to reach out to me or you have anyone that is um, buying or selling in Rochester or the Finger Lakes area, my team would love to service them. I can be reached at Susan Glenn's team at gmail.com. That's S-U-S. Well, my name is right on there, right? Susan Glenn's team at (laughs) gmail.com. Awesome. All right, guys, we have it. Susan Glenn's, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Will. Know where that we go is a one-way street. Nothing.